This week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me as always is the other so handsome, Mike Hampton. Mike, if you can hear, I'm very excited right now. Yeah, why are you so excited? Because we are doing an episode featured on something that I have never experienced, and you talk about this place a lot, and whenever I get to experience anything that you love, it's amazing. So we are here live, quotations, in Asheville, North Carolina. Raise up, put your shirt off, and swing it like a helicopter. Isn't that Petey Pablo? Yeah, from North Carolina. I remember. I know Petey Pablo. Oh, very good. Do you know him personally? Look at you. <laughs> yeah, we did a song together back in 2005. Really? Yeah. <laughs> everybody go Google that. And then, uh, or actually everybody tweet Petey Pablo. Hey, you know Cap. <laughs> Mike, so this is kind of our, our opening banter here. And we have a very interesting show planned. Probably one of our most unique ones we've done in a while. We're pretty much exploring Asheville and talking to different creators comedians who either from here travel here i don't know we're going to talk to an actor breweries hopefully like what what do you think about this eclectic episode well like all things we have a trajectory set out whether or not that actually happens is to be seen but you know the intentions there you know and Asheville is a place that brings a lot of people in i think i i've heard anywhere during the peak of its tourist season, there's 20,000 extra people here a day just for tourism. And the, the town itself, there's about 100,000 residents that live in Asheville proper. So we'll see how it goes, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's one of our first stops, and you guys will hear this soon, is we're going to, and correct me if I'm wrong, like the Omni? Omni Grove Park Inn. Okay, that's where we're going, and apparently it is a pretty big establishment here. It's a beautiful building. We'll take pictures, post it, all that good stuff. And we are going to see something a little different for us. We're going to see a clean comic, the legendary Jeff Allen. Yeah, it. I mean, there's other big comics that do clean comedy, right? Most notably Seinfeld, which, you know, we've heard him on the Stern Show a few times, and he talks about sometimes using dirty words is just a cheap laugh. And so... Maybe, you know, I think Jeff's reasoning for doing clean is different than, than Jerry's, but nonetheless, it'll be interesting to see, and, and hopefully we laugh. <laughs> I believe we will. I believe we will. And for those who don't know, Jeff Allen's the one who pretty much kind of coined the term happy wife, happy life. And we all know that term. Ain't that right, Mike? I, I've heard of that term. I don't know if it's if it's actually true. <laughs> oh, it's true. Sometimes a happy wife still is unhappy life. <laughs> it depends on the wife. <laughs> That's... <laughs> You know what? There might be some. There might be. Depends on what number of wife you're on. <laughs> Do you have any experience with that? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited for this. And Jeff Allen, you know, this, what's what's really interesting about what we're doing here is that we haven't we haven't really talked to too many comedians. I think we only had Sully. I think. I think you're right. I, I'll have to look at the list, but I think you're right. <laughs> you know, there's too many. There's too many people to name. You know. <laughs> yes, we're over a hundred episodes in, so you know. <laughs> You know, no big deal, right? <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, Sully, and Sully was great. And, uh, you know, that was, it was great. I think comedians offer such a great perspective of life. I mean, that's why we like stand-up, right? Is that they offer their own perspective of life. And so Sully's story obviously is different than Jeff's and vice versa. So it's exciting to see what Jeff is going to offer and see. And also, the, uh, on top of all that, we have a weekend full of Asheville fun. And we may, we may be even talking to your, your sister. Is that true? We may be able to book my sister who is who manages a fine establishment here in the Biltmore Village uh, part of Asheville. So hopefully we can book her. 
She's busy. Hopefully we can nail her down. Because yeah, she's busy. She's a superstar. I know. She's always getting out there, making things happen, shaking hands with presidents. I know, right? Yeah, she's shaking hands and making calls and, <laughs> you know, walking downstairs and, and doing moves. <laughs> doing moves. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where she gets it from. Uh, it must run in the family. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But fun fact, everybody, this is good. If we do book the elusive Monica, <laughs> I'm going to say it. This will be your second appearance. Do you remember that, Mike? Yes, because the first one was at our uh, brewery. Yeah, yeah. Our brew, our beer release at uh, Clandestine Brewing. Which you should all visit because they still sponsor this show, and that is Clandestine Brewing in San Jose, California. So be sure to go check them out, right, Mike? Please do. Please do. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Enough talking for us. We'll be right back. And when we come back, we'll either be talking about our experience of the Omni or we're going to be talking to Jeff Allen directly. So get ready for a fun show, everybody. And remember to follow us on Instagram at Uncle Dad Talks. We appreciate that. This ad is brought to you by Skyline Smart Energy. The state of California just approved another rate increase for PG&E, one of California's biggest electric companies and the other big companies are soon to follow. Homeowners, electric bills will increase by an additional 13% starting in January of 2024. If you could have a locked-in gas price at $2 per gallon for 25 years, wouldn't you have done so? By going with solar with Skyline Smart Energy, that's exactly what you can do. You'll not only pay a much lower average in price per month than your current electric bill, but you'll also lock in that lower rate for the next 25 plus years. Skyline is also offering a free year of Brinks Home Security with no installation fees when you get solar installed. So do yourself a favor, protect your family, your home, and your wallet by texting or calling 209-573-0589 for a free energy savings consultation and see if your home qualifies. Skyline Smart Energy. Take control of rising energy costs now. All right, everybody. Uncle Dad here hanging out with Just Mike. Mike, say hello. Hello, hello. We have a very special guest sitting right next to us, arguably a legend in comedy. He laughs. He laughs, but I believe it's true. Let's give it up for the man himself, Jeff Allen. What's up, man? Nothing, a legend. My gosh, that means I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it takes to get to be a legend? I guess. I don't know. It's years. Been around long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, so right out the gate, my, my question to you is, it's a very simple question, but I, I hopefully you will be, you'll find this fun. What is, or what does comedy truly mean to you? Oh, obviously it's, it's my livelihood and uh, it, it, at times it's a job, but it's, it's so fulfilling at this point in my life. I enjoy it so much that I, at some point, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I realized this is what I was meant to do, you know, but it, it's been a long path getting there to that. But, you know, I started in 1978, so. Uh, legend. But yeah, legend, you know, but, <laughs> but I figure at this point, it's just all gravy. Yeah. Love that. Mike, uh, you had some pretty, uh, an interesting question. I think you wanted to ask him. Well, it's all gravy, and we do love gravy here in the South, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your book, are, and, and kind of like your moniker through this tour is, are we there yet? You know, the journey from a messed up to a meaningful life. Is that something that that you haven't found yet, or is that something that like, you, 
you're constantly is there's never an ending to that like it's a it's a it's a search that continuously goes on I believe it's a search. I, I think that I wanted the title, Are We There Yet? If we lived here, we'd be home now. You know, like you've seen that. And to me, it had a double meaning, you know, that for a Christian, and I'm a Christian, that we know this is not our home. This is not our final resting place. And then you kind of wrestle with what your life on earth should look like. And until I get, you know, buried it's it is a constant search and you know i talk about it in my show where you got to remember the first time you laid eyes on your wife because if you forget what that felt like or what you felt like then you're apt to get bored and sidetracked but if you can just take those somebody told me in an interview recently said you know life is just mundane and boring and it's f- these occasional flashes of just joy and wonderment and it's those flashes that have to sustain you through the mundaneness and the boredom. So I think as a as a believer, uh, uh, Sartre said that in order for something finite to have meaning, it has to be a, connected to something infinite and fixed. So my infinite and fixed is God. So if, if I connect my life to that source, then I know that this one is not my final resting place. And two, I'm just kind of get up and do what I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do is it's in front of me. And and then it 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 really isn't difficult, you know. Ice cream, Dr Pepper, cheesecake, you know. I'm going to enjoy that piece of cheesecake. I really am, and that's one of the pleasures in life. Somebody was gifted enough to cook something like that and make something like that. And I told my kids, if you if whatever you do in life, if you do it for the glory of God, you'll do it better. You really will. I mean, whether you're a janitor or whether you're a surgeon. You know, yeah, you know, in a lot of your show, you talk a lot about your wife, Tammy, and and I'm curious when you were originally like doing your show, did you was that ever a challenge to talk about your wife without having her be upset about it, or was she always like, yeah, this is great, do it? No, early on, and I write about this in the book that I was so angry and bitter that she would leave in tears, and so she knows the difference between the heart delivering the material today than it was 30 years ago. So she gets it. I mean, you know, because people ask her all the time, especially in a church, are you okay with that? And she always asks, did the check clear? You know, that's all she cares about. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, but no, she she knows how bad it was and what the difference is now. And if I, I, I challenge anyone to, to find any malice in what I say about her. I, it's just all, I mean, I could stand up there and tell you all the things I love about her, but and you'd think it was nice, but you wouldn't laugh a whole lot, you know? <laughs> And it's the the commonality of just human relationships. That's what I talk about. It's there's no such thing as a conflict free relationship. And I'm really pushing the twenty and thirty year olds now because they've been raised to think that if you disagree with me, you hate me. You know, I mean really. I mean it's it's like there's no room for disagreement with a lot of the young people. And I'm thinking, my gosh, Tammy and I, we've we've voted in I don't know how many elections and probably half of them she voted for the other person. You know, I mean, I can you can sleep with, make love to, and have a conversation with someone who doesn't agree with you. And but as long as you're civil and you love and respect each other, then it, it's fine. So that's I don't think she. I can't think of the last time I there was one routine I did that I was worried about how she would take it, and it was she came out of the bedroom with her hair up. She had all these creams and oils on her face, and she was wearing this flannel thing that she's owned and these sweatpants that. 
she's had so long they're almost see-through. They're kind of sexy now. And this is this is 30 plus years of marriage lingerie. You know, it's <laughs> it's just wore out sweatpants. And, you know, you get her in the right light, you go, hey, that's kind of anyway, she walks out of the bedroom and she says to me, I just want to say this and don't get upset, but you don't touch me at night like you used to. And I look at her and said, Well, I don't know how I missed it. That outfit screams touch me, you know. And I was worried about that one because, you know, how she would take that. And, but that's, yeah, I said, look, you want my attention, come out with nothing on but one of my dress shirts and I'm yours, you know, and it doesn't work the other way if I just come out with one of her, one of her blouses on. It's just the black sock, hairy leg blouse thing just doesn't work. You know? Socks and just the top don't work. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, Mike. Yeah. You know, Jeff, like, you, you know, you've, you've come up in an age of, of so many comics, like, you know. Rodney Dangerfield and, and George Carlin and like, you know, and Seinfeld, like all these different comics. And, and you used to be able to just do comedy and comedy was comedy, you know, right? And like, it wasn't so to the point where if you say the wrong thing, you're offending someone that's in trouble. But I, watching, your, watching your routine tonight, how fun is it for you to just do what you're doing and kind of make fun of the fact that everything is so sensitive now like do you have fun with that to just let it rip yeah because it seems like it yeah i don't i i don't spend five minutes thinking you know again we we go through it I'll, I'll call my manager and say look i got this thing i'm thinking about is it worth the blowback you know the problem i think i what i have with x or twitter what it used to be is the fact that you you get it just seems to be the lowest brow and the lowest form which is just ad hominem they call you names until you just give up. And my question when I was engaged with it was always, what is your end game here? I mean, if you're trying to change my heart and mind, calling me a nasty name is, is going about it the wrong way. I'm open, you know? What's your point? And so that, you know, again, it's just, it really is a, it, it's a very large scale form of bullying to the point where they're destroying careers. And that's when I ask myself, when I see somebody's career destroyed, was what they did worth the destruction of their entire livelihood. And I have yet to find one that said or did anything that was worth it. So to me, it's just a very large f overt form of bullying. And, and I'm fortunate, you know, the people that are coming out to see me, they know me, they know what I am. And I don't really have that issue. You know, I bailed tonight a little bit on the, on, on the, the Biden stuff because I figured it's Asheville. I probably had a handful of people here. So I, there was no point in it. I mean, I could have made some comments and then I, you know, in my head, I'm thinking it wasn't worth it. So I just went into something else. You know, I did the gun smoke and ice cream line. And if you got a problem with that, you got problems, you know, I'm <laughs> gun smoke. Yeah. Gun smoke was, was a great reference. It's a great reference. And I'm, you know, I think, you know, one of the reasons why we do this show is to connect with people of all walks of life. Right. And our audience is so, you know, diverse. And I wonder how much of our audience is going to get the Gunsmoke reference. But if they don't, they need to go uh, search that because well, I, was, I was out on tour with a guy who was um, uh, 15 years younger than me. And I was I brought up Gladys Kravitz from Bewitched. And he goes, Glad he goes, Gladys Kravitz. What decade is that from? You know. So we had we had jokes. We had we he had fun poking at me all my references, and again, my audience. If you don't get it, then look it up. And you know, but yeah, it, that's my father-in-law. Uh, when he left, every television in our house, as soon as you turned it on, went right to Gunsmoke. <laughs> <laughs> that's so much. You know, but you know, I feel like comedy should be like that safe zone, right? And like you just like it should be a place where like we can all just laugh 
And it doesn't have to mean anything other than we're just laughing in the moment, right? You know, and or get up and leave. I mean, you know, that was the line in the clubs. Remember, they go, "There's no anchor on your rear end." You know, just you can leave. I'm, you know, again, my goal is not to offend, but if you're offended, I can't. There's six billion people. Am I supposed to lie awake at night and worry about all six billion? You should. You should. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the beauty of the of the internet which is it it made my career was the internet is that it will call like-minded people you know people who share my videos they share them to people they think will enjoy it you know and tonight i had at least four husbands who brought their wives who have never seen me you know and that then you always wonder you know because tammy and i have different ideas of what you know I, i always thought jim carrey was funny in those uh, pet detective movies, you know, in Ernest. I used to take the boys to see Ernest, you know. Loved Ernest, by the way. Yeah, of course, you know. But Tammy thought it was sophomoric and, and just, you know. And I said, of course it is. You know, yeah, of course, right? Pull my finger and shut up. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, speaking of, of film and stuff, I wanted to ask you a question. So are you a massive lover of Star Trek? Because I, you were in a fan, a short oh fan film. God. Yeah, and I'm curious... Do you love Star Trek a lot? And and how did you get how did you get involved in that? Holy cow! You did your research. <laughs> no, I am not a. I I don't know. I never. I watched the the um who's William Shatner. I watched those when I was a kid. But no, I'm not a sci-fi. And they, they uh, reached out to me to do that just based on the comedy. And I I auditioned. I had to do an audition. There was probably twenty of us. So anyway, they they we we shot it in a day. I think. And I saw that when he came, I haven't seen it since. As a matter of fact, we just got a new script from some uh, screenwriter in Chicago. And, and the first thing Tammy said is, is this going to be another one of those Star Trek things where <laughs> no, nobody sees it, you don't make any money? And I go, I don't know, actually. I, you, know, like, uh, you know, but I enjoyed doing it, you know. I, I mean, it looks fun. I mean, I think, uh, I think you know, when you love doing something, whether it's comedy, film, whatever, right? You just love to be in that moment. And entertaining, really, I would say, right? Like, entertaining is everything, right? Like, when you get to entertain people, even if you entertained, let's say, 10 people with that movie, that's okay, I think, right? It's a win. Oh, I don't, you know, again, yeah, you can't get into the numbers, you know? And you know, I've done shows for 15,000 people. I've done shows for 15, you know? And again, I enjoy what I do. So I think that's contagious, you know? If, if, when I stop enjoying it, I hope I'm in a position to, because I was in a, I, I did not enjoy it in the 90s much, and but I wasn't in a position financially to get out. And that was frustrating. And I hope I'm in a position now when it just runs its course that, you know, I can go visit my grandkids and, and live the rest of my life. You know, I keep forgetting I'm, you know, <laughs> 67, you know, because I, I love it when you young guys come out, you know, because it's like, holy cow, man, you're under 50. How'd you get in? You know, I, mean? <laughs> I thought we were checking IDs at the door, you know. Oh. I love that. You know, like, I, uh, we, we do got to wrap it up, but what's your question there, sir? Well, well first of all, yes, time flies, right? And, <laughs> but well, you also coined one of the most famous phrases, happy wife, happy life. So thank you for that. And I think the most of the world thanks you because it's, it's a, a global phrase we all use, but... For those that didn't hear your your set tonight, does that still hold up years later? Happy wife, happy life. Well, the line itself, I had to drop because people thought I stole it. 
Um, it you became from yourself. Well, it became so ubiquitous that you know they just hear it. You know, matter of fact, I just saw something the other night. Uh, Tammy and I were watching some reality show, and the the woman said, "Happy wife, happy life." She goes, "Well, look at that." And I go, "Yeah." So anyway, when 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 I first started saying it back in the '90s, you know, it would get laughs and applause and things, and then eventually it's just got nothing because people go, "Oh yeah, we all heard that." So I just stopped doing it. You know, and then we had a flood in the basement, and I found three hundred happy wife, happy life T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm bringing it back it's, until those shirts are gone. You know, yeah, that's, that's funny, Jeff. It has been an absolute pleasure. But one of the things we've got to mention before we wrap up is you are on tour, and can you give a couple of dates coming up in the next couple, if you have them, a couple, a uh, couple weeks? So what you got going on in March? Yeah, I would just say go to the website, and we j- we got a brand new website. We just put uh, put it up, and that's really cool. But it has all the dates, and then if you sign up for the Facebook page or the Instagram page, the feed, we post the calendar. That the, the probably ten or twelve dates coming up in the nearest. But we're hitting the whole country, so all the way we're going to Hawaii in March, and I got you know in Milwaukee on Sunday. I don't know when this will air, but. Florida, we got a nice Florida run, uh, Boca Raton and Palatka and uh, Naples and Tampa. And that sounds like a fun time. Yeah, I'm going to bring the golf clubs. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, now, can you just tell our audience what that website is? JeffAllenComedy.com. And uh, do you have uh, an Instagram as well? It's uh, J Allen Comedy. Nice. Everybody, please go check him out. He is so funny, and I love it because it's. It doesn't matter. I'm 34. You know, I'm a young. I'm a young man, I guess, and. I feel like it doesn't matter your age. There is something in your comedy that you can relate to. And I absolutely love that about what you do. And and it was just, I honestly had a great time. So thank you for having us and thank you for allowing us to interview. Well, thank you for that. That really is nice. And it means something when the younger people say it because it's like, you know, you just, you know, you, <laughs> you, know, you know, you walk out and you go, what's this crusty old guy? You know, it's just, you know, so I golf with a lot of young guys. And uh, every time I come home crippled. <laughs> Tammy says, you think you're one of them, you know, <laughs> and you're not. Your body can't take it. So I take the cart now. <laughs> Thank you again, Jeff. It's an absolute pleasure. And a huge shout out to Tammy because, you know, yeah, hopefully she's still awake. All right, everybody. We'll be right back after this break. Again, go check out Jeff Allen. Uh, thank you guys so much. Hey, everybody. Uncle Dad here hanging out with Just Mike. Just Mike, we just had a great time last night. For those who don't know, it's now the future in our time. We are in the future, in the present, and they're listening to the past. What does that feel like? Wow, that sounds so meta. (laughs) We're, We're currently in the future of the past, but when you're listening to this, this happened in the past, but you're listening to it in the present. Crazy. Wow. Maui, wowie, indeed. Uh, yeah, so we just got done talking to Jeff Allen. Uh, that was such a great experience. Uh, Mike, I'm curious. You know, we've talked about it off mic, but for our audience, how, how, how was that experience for you? And, I mean, I, I'm sure we both agree that Jeff Allen was amazing to talk to. But, yeah, what was your thoughts on everything? Well, uh, first of all, Einstein, eat your heart out. And um, I thought it was fun. I always enjoy talking to comedians. Uh, and uh, they just... They just have uh, really great responses, and they know how to talk. They have, they have great stories, and you know, and obviously he's a he's a seasoned veteran, so he was no different. And it's great to to see his routine, and then to you know sit and talk with him in the what what room did they call it? 
That's right. The name of the room we went into was called the Coolidge Room. Yeah, not a green room, but the Coolidge Room. It's where you cool off to, you know, and think about Jennifer Coolidge. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge. <yeah. laughs> you know, and where we were at, we were at the Omni Grove Park Inn, and that ho- that that hotel was stunning. But Mike, I think we should tell the audience a little fun story of how we got lost for probably like an hour. Right? What do you think, Mike? I would say it was an hour, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like we might get lost when we were walking to the part of the, the Grove Inn that had the, the comedy show. And sure enough, as we were walking back, we got lost because that place is huge and there was no real direction for us. Yeah, it's hard to describe it without actually seeing it, of course, but there is... A, I'll, I'll do my best to do so. When we parked, we parked. We're with our party. We leave. We go to the uh, one flight of stairs. We go to the elevator. We then go downstairs, down an elevator to go through what's called the small level. Walk through the small level, which is beautiful, by the way. It's like a bunch of cavernous. It's like walking through Batman's Batcave. Would you agree with that? Yeah, if Batman's Batcave was a spa for uh, t- treatment, yes. <laughs> so you're walking through that, and then when you get to the end, you take another elevator going all the way up to the eighth floor. Then you have to walk around there, get to the grand ballroom, and there is Jeff Allen. So now we have to do all that backwards, and I just don't think that happened. Especially after a few drinks. <laughs> yes. It, it, but, you know, it, it was funny at first, and we laughed, and then we started getting frustrated because it was damn near an hour, and we're like, how the hell are we going to get out of here? And so luckily we figured out, well, if we just walk in the parking garage, the exact way we came in with the car, we'll find it that way. Thank you to uh, my sister who attended the event with us, who wants credit for that. As she deserves, okay? Yeah, shout out, shout out to uh, Sister Hampton. Let's do it. Whom we'll be talking to later on the show. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope she's ready to be grilled. If we can uh, book her. She is a busy body person. Busy body indeed. Yeah, so everybody, I hope you're enjoying this experience with us here in Nashville, and uh, we'll be right back after this little break. All right, everybody. Uncle Dad here hanging out with Just Mike. Mike, say hello as always. Hi. Hello. Hello. We are at Dissolver, Dissolver Brewery, right? That's correct. Okay. We're at Dissolver Brewery and we got ourselves a local rock star. We got somebody who's been around and has done some wild things <laughs> and has been able to live a life that I could only dream of. Isn't that true, Mr. Mike Hampton? I think so. Yeah. I mean, Judging by this hair, I think he gets a, you know he he gets a, a lot of doors open for him. I, I think so. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure somewhere down the line he's related to Brad Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad Pitt is definitely his his uncle, maybe even his dad. I don't know. <laughs> but please introduce our very special guest. Yeah. So here in Asheville, there's a there's a band, a jazz band, brass, who I've seen a few times and I love and I love their name. Because it's Star Wars themed, and, and we love Star Wars, right? Uh, yes, of course. We do. The Empire Strikes Brass, and we have the trombone player, Jacob Bruner. And the trombone is my favorite instrument, jazz, brass instrument. So it's a pleasure to have Jacob on the show. Jacob, thanks for coming. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, y'all. This is going to be fun. Now, Jacob, how do you feel that I think you're related to Brad Pitt? <laughs> It's crazy. We actually are related. He was having me out in California just the other week. We were at that award show, the Grammys. We went to the Grammys together. You know, I believe it. I mean, why would you lie about that? There's no reason for you to lie about that, right? 
Absolutely not. <laughs> Just I hope Brad Pitt doesn't come sue us, but that's a different story. Uh, all right. So, Mike, I know you had some pretty wonderful questions to ask him, so go ahead and kick it off. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, well, mainly, like, so, first of all, you live in Asheville. Where, where are you from originally? I grew up in a town called Cary right next to Raleigh. So when I was about one, we moved there. And at that point, it was just like small suburbs. And then by the time I left when I was 18, it was just like condos and mini malls just like kind of exploded in population. So that that's where I grew up. I saw it change a lot. And then I went to school in Greensboro, North Carolina. And then I came out here. With all those moves, is there ever a point where it feels like your one is better than the other? Asheville, I would say, is definitely my favorite. I feel super at home out here. And I it'll only have been three years since I moved here in May. So it's just been an incredible experience so far, honestly. Especially like joining Empire Strikes Brass and then a bunch of other projects too. And just the music scene here is definitely a new family for me that I just never knew I would have. Yeah, you know, Asheville, Asheville is a, is a great place for artists, musicians. You know, I've I've come to visit here many times since my sister lives here, and I'm even thinking of moving here just because, you know, the experience. I feel I feel at home here. It's beautiful. There's so much great food. There's, as you know, there's so much great breweries and and, but let me ask you about Empire Strikes Brass because they're like the the band I would say uh, like the Asheville band. And I know you guys don't just play here in Asheville, but I've been several times that I've been here coming to see Empire is like part of the part of the itinerary. So like how do you get connected? Like you first of all, how long have you been playing the trombone? And then how do you get into a band that's so well established here in Asheville? Yeah, I think with opportunities like that, there's definitely a lot of luck and timing involved because there's a lot of incredible trombonists in Asheville, which is surprising because not that many people play the trombone. So for so many to be in one place is pretty unique. And as far as when I started, I started playing trombone in middle school in sixth grade band. And I just kept kind of kept going as my love for music grew. And I switched instruments a few times doing classical music, but when I started to take jazz more seriously, I switched back to trombone and dedicated myself a lot more to that. So fast forward to when I moved to Asheville, I knew a few people out here, but no one in really like the funk or jazz scene for the most part. And so basically what you do is just go to the jams, play with people, learn like the standard songs people like to play in the area then you can like have that dialogue with people of like oh we can play the same songs together that was fun and then eventually someone can't make something life happens and they need someone to fill in and if you're in the right place in the right time there's that luck coming involved it all comes together and with the timing of it with me particularly i had a lot of crazy life stuff happened at a certain point in time i think about one year after i moved here and went through that process of like going to the jams and just showing up in the scene without being in a band or anything like that and then a year later i like had quit my job suddenly and had some other personal stuff go on 
and I didn't really have a plan. And then right at that moment was when I got the opportunity to play my first gig with Empire Strikes Brass just as a substitute. But then as they needed someone to step into that role more permanently, I was well positioned to do it. And I had showed up and done a decent job too. So it's like being lucky, being ready, and then like showing up and doing it. And also in a band like that, that's a family, you know, you want to be a nice person to be around too. <laughs> that's kind of necessary to be in a band. You know, I want to kind of go back a little bit. You're talking about growing up and stuff. And what was the first song you learned how to play? Do you remember that? Oof, great question. Oh my gosh. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question before. The first song I learned how to play, it might have been a piano song, or I guess if we're being like legit, it was probably like Hot Cross Buns on the recorder in like kindergarten. Really? What, what did you call it? Hot Cross Buns? Hot Cross Buns. Hot cr- I don't think I do. Do you know that song, Mike? Yeah, well, you'd know it if you'd heard it. You would, yeah. The first song in beginning recorder, kindergarten or whatever, it's like Hot Cross Buns, Hot Cross Buns. One penny, two penny, high cross ones, or something like that. I actually don't know that. The easiest song ever <laughs> on any instrument. So probably that. So next time you play live, we should play that. <laughs> Honestly, you got me cooking a little bit because in my, I, I'm a keyboardist too, and I have a trio called Sugar Bomb. And we, we sometimes will take like classic songs that everyone knows and then add some kind of stylistic twist to it. That's more like our style. We would totally do something like that with a song like Hot Cross Buns. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Hopefully we inspired that for your next uh, session. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. So when you're, when you're playing with, with what, what is the What's your other band? The trio I just mentioned is called Sugar Bomb. Sugar Bomb. So when you guys play, is that your, is that kind of you head, head that band and you kind of steer that ship? As opposed to with Empire, you you know you're you're part of a. I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of players in a, in Empire. How many are in Empire? Depending on the show, we can operate kind of in different sizes, which is cool because there's so many people in the band. But if it's a big show and we have all hands on deck, we'll probably have nine or ten people on stage. That's a bit. I mean, and it's great and and it's so fun. I'll come back to that. But so 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 for your other band, the Hot Six, like is that. Is that is that something that you coordinate, or or are you is someone else had kind of headlining that band? In Sugar Bomb, it's I got to give a lot of credit to our bass player Eli Khan because he's just so on the ball with like the making things happen side of things, and I can be maybe more of a stereotypical creative and like a bit aloof with that kind of stuff. So he gets us going a lot, but in the nature of a trio, that's keys, bass, and drums naturally I have to take a huge lead in that because the keyboard kind of is like a lot of the song, you know, I'm like coloring in the whole picture and then like bass and drums is like very foundational, but Eli is known for his hybrid guitar playing, which is, if you don't know what that is, it's like three bass guitar strings and four regular guitar all on one electric instrument. So he's an amazing guitar player too. And this is was kind of his first project or so that he was playing bass on. So it's it's very uh, even in that group. But then in the past, like when I recorded my own music a long time ago and would I like to do like big sessions or one time I 
coordinated a whole big band New Year's Eve thing that I was like the leader of. And when you lead a project like that, yeah, it's very much more so a dictatorship for good reason. Like it just, it won't get done if there's not someone that has the whole list of things that's like, this is what needs to be done to make something happen. And then you just like, if you can like delegate certain things, but at the end of the day, you're still the person that's making everything happen. And being in a band like Empire, it's kind of nice to be able to share the responsibility with everyone. Yeah. I, I really wanted to say something fast, guys. I'm sorry for that sound in the background. We are outside of the Dissolver Brewery, so I apologize for any certain sound issues. But back to the interview. Uh, so when you talk about you know collaboration and all this stuff, for you, what is the the most collab- the collaboration you look forward to doing the most? Do you look forward to like the behind the scenes collaboration? Because collaboration is more than just music, right? So, what is your favorite part of collaboration? Hmm, another great question. I guess my favorite part would maybe be just like the moments that don't have to do with like the task at hand, like you say you're recording you gotta go to somewhere set up all the stuff takes really long time get it all dialed in and then you when you're in the process of recording it it's like kind of high stress because you're trying to get everything right at the same time and and that can be high stress but then uh say everything's set up you're done for the day maybe you're doing another day the next day and there's nothing but time to kill and just like chill out and then you know, those moments, you know, you have a lot of good bonds with the people that you're collaborating with. And if you play music with people, I think a lot of the time it works out that you get along well, too. And that ideally it does. I think <laughs> even families fight, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> but yeah, you also have a ton of amazing memories with your family that you wouldn't trade for anything. So comes with both sides yeah you know i i like i said i've seen you guys play you know I've seen empire play a few times and and i've seen you know your sugar bomb there's a there's a spot here called the Asheville music hall and then beneath it is another spot called the one stop and one thing i love about those and i so you know it, it's very it reminds me a lot of new orleans the style of the, the amount of people that play jam and and brass and just come up and hop in and hop out. It reminds me so much of New Orleans. And and I don't think a lot of people even realize that about Asheville is that there's such a scene like that. And and I, I one of my favorite memories of coming here was coming to a, a funk jam on Tuesday nights. Cause you know, otherwise Tuesdays suck, right? <laughs> yes. Which in New Orleans, Rebirth Brass Band always plays on Tuesday nights. That's like their nights. They had many years running at the Maple Leaf and now they run at the Rabbit Hole, but but Tuesday nights night. So here at the Asheville Music Hall, Tuesday night or the one stop, Tuesday night's the funk jam. Like how fun is that for you? Like one when you get to play with with Empire and one when you get to just come with with a sugar bomb or just yourself and then just hop in. Yeah, I mean there's definitely a a big community aspect to that. And I owe so much to the jams out here because that's how I ultimately got connected with everyone and how you can create that bond with all the other people in the community, even if you don't play in a band with them. And, th- and it's cool because we're all on each other's team in that way too, where like, I want to see them succeed and vice versa. And I, I love that about the one sub too. 
just that everyone can come together. I'm kind of blanking on the original question at this point. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, be honest. I love it. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes, sometimes I blink on the questions I ask. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're having too much fun out here, it's sometimes you just lose track, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, before I, I want to wrap up soon, but before we do, I, I want to ask you, now that you've been doing this and you've been part of this movement, and obviously you're part of a, you know, you're part of a band that is, has a theme about Star Wars, right? So what is your favorite Star Wars death scene? Favorite Star Wars death scene? Oof. Well, I guess the end of three doesn't really count as a death scene because he doesn't die. Yes. Revenge of the Sith. So favorite death. Oof. Well, can I say <laughs> that is kind of the death of, of Anakin and the birth. So it kind of is a death and a birth. So you could, you, I would say that it's fair. The death, the death of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, I like. I actually think you, I think you're dead on right, Mike, because I think people argue about that. Like, well, yeah, technically Anakin died at that point. Yeah. But then people argue Anakin came back at the end of Jedi, technically, because remember he became his original self and he was there for Luke. So he's like, Jesus, he just came back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, he was just trying to get on God's good side real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I have to tell you mine real fast. So mine is actually, there's all this hype for this character on, uh, I think it's, is it is it, Je is it, it's either Jedi or it's Strike, or Strikes Back. And it's where we first see Boba, Boba Fett, right? You finally see Boba Fett and then that motherfucker dies, <laughs> right? He gets into the Sandpit monster. And he's dead. It's uh, do you remember that? Yeah. 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 And it's just like a little anticlimactic in that way. It's like, wait, he just rolled up. <laughs> exactly. And, he's, and then he's gone. So I don't know. I, that's just how I feel. What, do you, what is your favorite, Mike? Well, but then he came back because, you know, now we know that he crawled out of the Sarlacc pit and now we have Boba Fett series. So, sure. <laughs> oh, <hold> <laughs> but at that time, that was never a thing. For many years, we all thought he was dead. Yes. Rest in peace, Boba Fett. For many years. Yeah. RIP, RIP. All right. So before we wrap up, where can our audience connect with you and learn more about you and the bands that you participate in? Probably just Instagram. That's the easiest. I uh, kind of connect everything through that. My handle is nice and easy to remember. It's I am Jacob. I play music. What, one word? Yeah. Okay. All one word. Okay. I am Jacob. I play music. Wow. That's fun. I love that. Okay. And that all, all platforms? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And then do your do the bands have a uh, Instagram as well? Yeah, I have all the bands I regularly play in like in my bio and then I think that sh handle also works on Bandcamp to find like my own music that I put up there and stuff. I love that. Now Mike, do you have any last words before we wrap up? Well, yes. It, will we hear more of the Star Wars orchestrated music translated into jazz and brass? from empire going forward well honestly empire really only plays like one star wars thing and it's just this really badass like ending tag we like to do so we'll play whatever the last song is and then just in the key of whatever song we just played our drummer nick will just hit the clicks of whatever ending we're about to do and when he does it for we call it empire we just all together go dun 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 so that's really the the one star wars thing we actually play but there's uh i feel like there's definitely potential for something there and i i love star wars music i think 
we maybe should. I, I would love to hear the Cantina song. At least like in between two other songs that you guys play, maybe do a quick little... I guess I'll just have to come to the show and see. That's it. That's it. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be right back with more Asheville content. Please go support our act. Uh, all the people who've been on the show, we're thank you. so thankful for your time. And thank you again, Jacob. I appreciate you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Take care. Uncle Dad here. What a what a great weekend this has been so far. It's been full of fun, fun, fun. And we just got done talking to Jacob Bruner of uh, Empire Strikes Brass. I'm curious, Mike, you know, you were I know you were very excited to talk to him because you know I know that world of jazz means a lot to you. So what was that what was that like to talk to somebody who's also passionate about what the music you like? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of been a theme this month is talking to jazz and jazz players. And so, yeah, it's interesting to talk to someone who's not in the New Orleans jazz brass scene and who comes up in the suburbs of Raleigh, North Carolina, and found his way here in Asheville by just, you know, following that. It's the same thing we always talk about. You know, you follow that thread of, of your passion and see the doors that open when you when you give yourself up to that. And this seems to be working out for Jacob. That was cool. Yeah, that was, it, it's, it's, you know, that is a constant theme of this show. I feel it's like we talk to people about passion and where they, how it leads them to that certain moment that gets them to that point to allow them to unlock, maybe not necessarily their full potential, but their, their beginning of their dream or the end of the dream, whatever it is. Right. And what I find it really, really interesting about Jacob's story was that you can tell he's, you know, he's still relatively young or pretty young, I would think. Right. And he's, you know, in two bands and you can tell he's so creative and it was exciting to talk to him and see his process. And I, I can't, you know, I haven't seen them live yet, but I hope I get to next time I'm out here, please let me join you and we'll go see them live. What do you think? I think we'll try and coordinate when you come back out in the summer that it'll be when they are playing. I think that'd be a good idea. I think so. We'll do Asheville summer edition. How about that? So when we talk about this show and what we've been doing this weekend, we have another trip or another special guest lined up next. And that is the ever so wonderful Monica, your sister, your your blood. But wait, we forgot to mention the fact that we were at Dissolver and it was Twin Peaks Day while we were there, right? You're right. I don't know why I've, we, we even talked about this off mic and I don't know why I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Before I, before I announce the special guest, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah, we, we were at Dissolver, and part of the reason why we were at Dissolver was because I wanted to go, or I wanted us all to go to be a part of the Twin Peaks Day celebration, because for those who don't know, uh, when the, when we recorded this, it was February 24th, and February 24th is the first day that 
Agent Cooper arrives to Twin Peaks and begins the story of Twin Peaks. Now, Dissolver did a special brew, and I can't I can't remember the name of the or what what was inside the beer, but what I what I can tell you is they did a special release for the Twin Peaks Day of the beer, and it was a base it was based on a, a coffee, which makes sense because Agent Cooper was always he was obsessed with that the coffee at that little diner in Twin Peaks. So, Mike, I'm curious. Do you remember Twin Peaks very well? And did you love Twin Peaks? As you know, I really love this show, and I was schooling some of you guys. But I love, I love, love, love this show. My my memory only has so much space now, <laughs> and the the space that Twin Peaks took up is is kind of gone. But I do remember parts of the show, and I remember enjoying it. And and honestly, the whole experience. They had a, a costume contest. They had props set up. You'll see pictures of it on on our on our Instagram. But it makes me want to rewatch it. Just and then they you never know, they were showing clips of the of the final episode. I guess not just the final episode, but anyways, just how crazy that final episode was. It makes me want to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, I think it's it's Twin Peaks was David Lynch, and it was one of those. Uh, it was so crazy when it came out, and that was like, you know, I, I, mid was it mid nineties or late nineties? Do you remember? It was more mid nineties. I. I, again, the memory is just, it's, it's fleeting me at this moment. Yeah. Your mind is Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think when we, when you talk about Twin Peaks, like you can't talk about the atmosphere. Like, can't, like the atmosphere is so incredible. And it was great to see the, like they had a band there playing tunes from the show. I don't know if you noticed that, Mike. Did you notice that? I noticed that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. Just making sure. And funny enough, I don't know if Jacob told you this, but Jacob knew half the band. Did he tell you that? Yeah, and I think that's that's the that's the music scene out here, which is also similar to to New Orleans, and it's 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 kind of interesting the parallels of 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 how the two cities, completely different, still have that that commonality of of musicians rotating through bands. They kind of all know the scene, they know each other, and it, yeah, just fun to see that in a whole different type of way. Yeah, and one of the things I want to mention before we move on from the, the Twin Peaks days, there's this really dope art that was made by this artist. Is it, would you say his name is Ake? If if he pronounces it the way it's spelled, it says Ake. Okay, okay. He did some really cool art, and we'll post that too as well. And I am sure his Instagram is at Ake, if anything like that. Uh, but his artwork was so sick. It's Laura, and you just got to see it. Her her eyes are all. Or her all crazy. <laughs> it's it was, it's it's really cool, and I, I I love that you can tell. There were so many people. So many so, there were way more people there that I could have expected celebrating Twin Peaks. So didn't that surprise you? Yeah, I I was. It was packed. There's a, a huge lineup just to get the the limited edition merch that you were lucky enough to get. Yeah. I was very lucky enough to get, and I think like it's crazy because you you don't you forget these cult shows. You don't realize the power they have until you see something that. At, like does something for them, like you know what I mean, like a, like an event or or even a convention, and then you're like, oh man, this still has so much traction in people's life. Like it's so crazy how we we just don't those shows mean so much to people. So I don't know. I thought it was a great time, and I'm so glad we got to go. So now may I announce our special guest? Now is the time. Yeah. <laughs> it seems your memory is fleeting you as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's also been a long weekend, you know. <laughs> I. I am so excited to announce that we will have her on for the second time. Your sister Monica, who runs the remind me again, the the Biltmore 
Biltmore Village Inn in Asheville, North Carolina. We're going to talk to you about this place because I believe this place, yeah, and we're going to find out, is a historical, not I don't know, monument, is that the right word? Is that the right word? No. It's a historical building, meaning that it has history here. It's been here a long time, and the person who it was built for was a prominent person back in those days, so I'll let her talk about that. But it's really cool that during your stay, you were able to stay in the top suite of the Biltmore Village Inn. How does that feel? You know, I felt like a, I felt like a 19th century president. <laughs> 19th century president. It was. I think you did have the presidential suite. I think I, I felt like, you know, I was there, you know, we were just getting done working on the railroads. And, you know, after, after a long day of telling people what to do, <laughs> I was hanging out in the presidential suite. No, it was honestly great. I think it, it's it, this whole, this whole house, it, it's such a, it has such an interesting energy to it because it, it feels very positive in here. It feels very, you know, but also very unique. And when you go to that, the top suite that I was staying in, it was, it's, it's one floor, multiple rooms, feels very cozy but also very vintage but in a great way where I, I felt i just when i again like i feel like i was sleeping in the victorian area era and it was something i will cherish very much and hopefully when i come back i'll be able to stay there again or in this room too that we're recording in hopefully you took some pictures yeah i did take some pictures i took a lot of pictures i took bonus pictures too well let's post those online <laughs> we'll see we'll see <laughs> I made a joke with somebody recently that we should make it only dads. <laughs> you start it, and, and then we'll, I'll see how it goes if I if I join that party. <laughs> yeah, so we will have Monica on and talk about what she does here and why you should come visit this uh, lovely building. So we'll be right back after this, everybody, and thank you guys so much for listening. And remember, you need to follow us on Instagram to see all the content that we have coming out. And we're working on getting our YouTube channel finally out. And that should hopefully be out very soon. I don't know when exactly, but very soon. And we'll be send, we'll start posting the full interviews we do. All right, but we'll be right back. Mm. All right, everybody. We're finally here with the elusive, the legendary, the original innkeeper. No, I'm kidding. She's not the original innkeeper, but she is an innkeeper and general manager of the Upmore Village Inn. Let's give it up for... Mike's sister, Monica, how are you? I'm great. And I'm so glad you didn't say little sister, by the way, because, you know, I'm I'm an adult too. <laughs> Mike, what if I would have called her that? How would you feel about that? I would have felt powerful. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Uh, well, you're just Mike. So there you go. <laughs> so Monica, you know, this building is a historical, not, is it a historical landmark? It's historical landmark, yes. It's a registered historical place in, on the National Register. Yeah, Really? It's amazing. So tell, if you can, before we dive into the experience here, could you tell us a little bit about the history of the building and your role here? Yeah. So the building is, is amazing. It's a Queen Anne Victorian, which is a beautiful form of architecture. And it's first of its kind here in Asheville, not Nashville, Asheville, North Carolina, we are in Western North Carolina, and we have beautiful mountains surrounding us. So this house is perched right on top of a hill and has a beautiful turret, two-level two, two level turret. Just look it up. Beautiful, beautiful architecture. And the house is 135 years old. 
So it was the first house in Asheville with indoor plumbing as well. So they say. Wow. That's amazing. So, and then your role here is to be the the overseer? I oversee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, I am the innkeeper. So if you've ever seen the movie Innkeeper, it's, that's kind of what I do. It's kind of funny. But no, I, I, I've been running the inn for 13 years and it's a lot of fun. I get to meet people from all over. The farthest I think I've had guests say from is Australia, which was pretty, pretty fascinating. And they're here on anniversaries, honeymoons, girls getaways. They're here just to get away from their children after 10 years. I mean, you name it. And and Asheville has, you know, a, a great, a great tour. It's a great tourist just destination. So and we our hope is to provide a beautiful, comfortable place for them to stay where they have, you know, they sleep well and they eat well and then get some great recommendations on what to do. That's amazing. Mike, I'm sure you have plenty of questions because you're new to Asheville. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm a new I'm a new newville. New villar. <clears throat> well, there's actually some interesting facts that, that Monica has told me as my younger sister, who is the general manager of this fine establishment here on the top of the hill in the Biltmore Village. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you said there are about a hundred thousand residents in Asheville proper. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> and at the height of the tourist season, there's an extra 20,000 people here on any given day. Is that correct? About 10. So sorry, you weren't correct. But <laughs> 10, 10 to 12,000 extra people. We have about 10,000, probably give or take, lodging rooms per night in Asheville. So when I first started running this place 13 years ago, we had about 3,000. So growth spurt in Asheville for sure. But yeah, I mean, the Biltmore Estate, if you're not, not familiar with that, is the largest home in America built by George Vanderbilt. And actually this house, the the bed and breakfast that I run was his attorney's home, Samuel Reed. But that the Biltmore Estate brings most of the tourists to Asheville. It's a beautiful, beautiful property, 8,000 acres, hiking, beautiful gardens. Wow. Yeah. We'll be going there too. Mike, do you have something else you want to ask? I know you do. Oh, I always do. Yes, yes. So one thing I, I'd like to ask is what's it like dealing with like so what are some of what are some of the uh fun type of, of people that you get to deal with here? Yeah, fun. <laughs> in Asheville in general? <laughs> or or do you mean specifically at the B and B? I was referring to the, the B and B just being in the hospitality industry. You I'm sure you deal with some interesting folks. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to put anything on air maybe, but uh <laughs> you know, I will say I I wish I had a lot of funny stories for you, but honestly, I'm pretty lucky. These guests are generally very kind and thoughtful. I do believe bed and breakfast visitors are different than your average hotel yeah. visitor. They want to stay somewhere historical. They want to stay somewhere with more character that's more personalized. And they're just generally very kind and, and appreciative of all the thought that goes into every detail here. But I can tell you, as the event planner, <clears throat> the mother of the groom, she's always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. What do you think, Mike? I think we'll have a more off-the-record conversations about uh, about such people. But what about this house? You know, it's an old house. Is there any haunting hauntings here 
Any, 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 uh, any, anybody get shot in here? <laughs> I don't think so. But you know, I always ask when guests ask me that. I always say, "Do you want it to be?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to scare you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so. Before I came here, I was definitely not a, uh, I don't know, quote unquote, believer, if you will, in the supernatural. But I've had a couple experiences here that have changed my mind. So, you know, I won't maybe get into those are some long stories, but we don't have time for that. It doesn't seem like. But I will say it's an old house. It's how it was housed. It housed many people throughout its, its existence. It's if the walls could talk, I guess. Yeah, I, I imagine. During that time era, I, I you know, I, I, how do I say this? I feel like people were different. Not, I mean, obviously they were different, but they were. I would just be intrigued to see if I could pull the energy and and see the visual history of the things that happened here 135 years ago. So now, I mean, it must be yeah. quite interesting the things you would see. Probably mostly good. There might be some things that could be a little crazy, right? Like, especially if you're like some high power lawyer. I don't know, you know. What, what's what was the what was uh, Abraham Lincoln's lawyer's name? Do you remember? Yeah, but you should tell him because I know, but I just want to see if you know. Well, I don't remember. So, <laughs> but you know, it's funny because when I was telling him when I was staying here, and thank you again for being so gracious and hosting me. It has been quite the experience. The 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 level of detail in the room, the com the, the comfort of the room is truly something I think people need to experience. And you know, I, I didn't get to try the breakfast, but I imagine the breakfast is just as incredible because it smells amazing. So, what do you do, do? Any like, do you decide, hey, this week we're going to plan X menu out or X experience out, or or is it more just about you kind of catering to what their needs are? You mean for the food? My, Overall experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, every year, this time of year when it's slower in the winter, we do sort of an evaluation of the guest experience, if you will. So we'll actually stay here and pretend like we're a guest and decide if, hey, you know, this doesn't work or that doesn't work or this could be better. And I try to travel myself and stay places and get it, get ideas from other wonderful places that I've that I've been able to go to. As far as the food, so we try to be seasonal and local as much as we can. Asheville has a great community for that, so it's very supportive. But it's I have a chef, so I have a chef that I stole from the Biltmore Estate, and he's he's wonderful. He's been here for almost six years, and he takes a lot of pride in you know the food and the quality. As as he should, because food is conversation on a plate. Shout out to Ted. Yeah, Ted's great. Thank, thank you, Ted. I love that. Mike, do you have anything else like that? Well, I just would like to say that Monica does a great job, you know, and as, as her older brother, she'll always be my little sister, but she, it's, it's, I'm really proud to see how you, how you, how you come into such a leadership role here and, and you, you have <clears throat> people who work under, under you, you, you are a wedding planner so you could have a movie about yourself as the wedding planner, similar to Jennifer Lopez. So, yeah, just I'm really proud of you and, and, and to see how you run this this place as a business. And where's breakfast? <laughs> where's breakfast? <laughs> uh, so be, before I wrap up, though, I, I don't know if I mentioned this or I don't know if we mentioned this. This is a four diamond B&B, correct? That is, that is correct. Yes. Four diamond rated bed and breakfast. 
Now, for those who don't know what four diamond means, can you tell them what that means? It's a level of it's a it's a level of rating that AAA, which everyone's pretty familiar with, will they come every year and inspect your property. It's not like once you do it, you're in forever. You have to be consistent with your quality and, and level of service and detail and aesthetic. So four diamond is the highest that we can get because we don't have a spa or a golf course. But the I will say we rank up there for Diamond, the Grove Park Inn, the Inn on Biltmore Estate, the Grand Bohemian Boutique Hotel. Those are all also four Diamond places in Asheville, and we're up there with them. So. Wow, really? So we were. You said the Omni Grove, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So we were just there, and I. So that place is only a four Diamond. Yes, they should. They could be a five, but they're a four. Wow! Look at you. It's like literally a quarter of the size. And you you won't get lost here, <laughs> and it's yeah it's such a it's such a cozy experience, and I really can't tell people enough to go and visit this place or at least look at the architecture online. I'm sure you can find it. Can you tell our audience where they can find uh, how to how to book a stay here and all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So you we're bookable online, or you can call us. We like talking to people. Our website is www.builtmorevillageinn.com. B i l t m o r e so builtmorevillageinn.com and you can find us on Instagram with that same name. I love that. Go check them out and tell them, hey, what's up, Mike's little sister? <laughs> Is that okay? I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right, but we'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody. This is Jacob Bruner from Empire Strikes Brass, and you are listening to Uncle Dad Talks. Hey, everybody. Uncle Dad here, and we are at the Biltmore Estate here in Asheville, North Carolina. And for those who don't know, the Biltmore is probably one of the biggest tourist things here in Asheville. You would agree with that, Mike? I think it's what brings most people to come here, yeah. To Asheville. To Asheville, yes. To Asheville, not North Carolina. To to, to Asheville. (laughs) I gotcha, I gotcha. First is the Charlotte Hornets, and then it's the Biltmore. Right, right. Yes. So, Mike, we just toured the house. Uh, It's a beautiful estate. It has been here since how long? Do you know when it was here, started? It started. They started construction in 1889. And like Monica said earlier in her segment, this is the largest house in the United States. It's just a house. It's not a, it's nothing other than just a baller house. Yeah. Cause it's not like you're not going to like the, like the Winchester. Well, I guess I wouldn't even count that. But like, what's the one you had mentioned off Mike Hearst Castle? That was like, wasn't intended to be a house, right? I can't remember. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when you think about houses, this is probably the most baller house, probably at least in the U.S., I imagine. Yeah, you know, I I remember feeling a similar thing when I visited the Hearst. <clears throat> Hearst Castle was, it's it's just, the, it's the earliest form of American excess that there is, you know? And like, I mean, it's great that he, Vanderbilt, had the, the money to do this, but do you really need this? I think at the time, though, property was like how you showed your, not, not your wealth, right? That's how you showed you are where somebody important, right? Like now we live in a world where people literally make tons of money, but they live in their van. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just a different world now, you know? And I think, and I agree with you, like, did he really need it? I don't know if he really did, but it is still a, it's a marvel of architecture. I mean, I, I hopefully you would agree with that. Oh, it's, it's definitely interesting and fun to look at. And, you know, once you, once you start learning more about the history of it, that's almost more interesting than the actual building itself. You know, like it took six years to make this place. And basically a whole town was 
was created just just to have the people who made the house so they could live yeah. you know and the whole railroad system just to get the 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 materials needed to build the house to come in and and for people to come from the Biltmore village into where they're working every day yeah, you know, and something I do need to disclaim right away that this segment is not sponsored by the Biltmore. This is just strictly me and Mike exploring Asheville. So the, again, this is not sponsored, but we do recommend you come check it out because it is quite it. It's quite the event to see the the paintings in there, the 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 prints in there, the furniture, the the wallpaper. You pointed out something that we were in there that kept blowing your mind was the silk walls, right? Yes, and his wife's room they had separate rooms his wife edith i believe that was her name edith i'm correct yes her wallpaper was not just wallpaper it was silk like her walls were covered in silk now they're protected with plexiglass so we can't get our grubby oily hands on them but how about that silk walls i i i if i had silk walls i would be probably the coolest man on the planet i don't know what do you think mike I would feel more comfortable listening to Silk the Shocker than having silk walls. I was hoping that you would say that, yes. <laughs> so do you wanna do you have any facts you want to throw at us, Mike, since you love this house? <laughs> since I love it. Yeah. Well, so okay, so they started construction in eighteen eighty nine and then they finished in eighteen ninety five, and that's when Vanderbilt, George Washington Vanderbilt, his name, opened it to his family and friends. And you know, we we go in through the tour and you can listen to the audio tools that they give you to listen to and a lot of these rooms which to me look like rooms where you would i don't know create something amazing were just like leisure rooms for people to read a book and curl up and have tea and or play the piano or as as one of the one of the audio tour guides said have conversation which was a form of entertainment during these days which what's crazy is if you kind of think about it, that's what we're doing, and this is a form of entertainment. So they that was early podcasting. It was <laughs> yes, yes. Those rooms were basically early podcasting rooms. Yeah. <laughs> so when we talk about the Vanner, not the Vanderbilt, wait, the Vanderbilt, right? Yeah, the Vanderbilt or the Biltmore. What was your favorite room in the estate that you saw? Yeah, I think the library seems like the consensus of the group. Also, was my favorite just because of all the books and and I wish that and I understand why not but I wish there was a way you could you could kind of get more into the books cuz some of the books in there were like probably things that there's no other way you're going to see these like illustrations and histories and 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 that stuff's just gone you know those old books are going to go and I mean that's the history of things so and just the way it looked it just I think you felt the same way right hundred percent. I think like, I wish I could see like the paintings were a little bit, there's so many pa- artwork, so much artwork in this building and you can't really see the artwork because it's kind of, you know, there's always like a velvet rope and you can't really go too close to it. But uh, one of the things I found very interesting and, and I guess I don't want to give too much away, but what I will say is that they talked about printing because a lot of, a lot of what he owned was prints, but it wasn't like the print like we know now where you just mass produce it. You know what I mean? You're, you're printing it based upon, what was it etching? It was etching, you said, right? Etching on the metal, on the metal plate, and then you would, and then you would etch it on the metal plate, and then you would do it in reverse, and then you would ink it, and then print it. We should we should bring that back. I think people still do it. Really? It's still it's still an art form. Is it really? The crowd is saying yes. <laughs> Mike, do you have any other facts you want to say? Well, 
you know, being that 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 this place is such a well, it's it's actually a reg, like Monty was saying, it's a, a national historic landmark. You know, and it took so much to build it. The guy only, I mean, I guess it's cool, but he only got to enjoy it for 19 years. You know, like I would, I would think he was 51 when he died, died from his appendix bursting. What a painful way to go. But, you know, I would think this is a place you'd want to grow old, see your grandkids and then have your great grandkids, but he didn't get to do all that. And, uh, you know, 51, he's done, but he leaves behind 87,000 acres of, uh, of the estate to the the national United, the United States Forest Service. So, in addition to to the house and the botanical gardens and greenhouses where we are now, there's eighty seven thousand acres of forest that you can just most of it you can wander through. There's trails you can horseback ride, you can bike ride, you can walk your dog. You could have you could have talks with your family. We could have a picnic. You could host a podcast. You could do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> without authorization. <laughs> so there's lots here. There is, there is a lot here. And I think it's something that, you know, as I'm, as I'm discovering that this is like the staple of Asheville and it really is such a beautiful experience. And I think getting to go through it. And one of the things I want to mention before we kind of close off the segment here is we got to ride an original elevator from she said 1905, I think. Yeah, it's the original elevator from when they made the house from Otis, which I guess Otis is the premier elevator with the original motor. We'll post pictures of it on our Instagram. So please, please follow us on our Instagram at Uncle Dad Talks, and you can see the photos. Of it. it was the smoothest elevator ride I've ever done in my life, and it's probably also the oldest elevator ride I've ever done in my life. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. And, I, and what was funny, what I liked about it was, uh, there was a, there was. There was no like a what do you call it like a protective. There was a door, like a real door. Yeah, there was no real door, so that when you slide up, you can literally, if you wanted to, you could touch the what do you call it this wall. the wall the wall the 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 stone wall as we're going up. You know, so it, that was quite the experience to 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 revel in because it was something that I didn't expect to do, and the fact that it just was so smooth was something also very crazy, right? Like it just. Elevators now are you know what I mean are not as smooth as that ride. I know you know that, right? <laughs> I yeah, I've been in some shady elevators. You know, there's some other fun facts about this place. So it was during the Great Depression in the nineteen thirty when when Cornelia, who was their daughter, Edith and, and George's Vanderbilt's daughter, decided to open this place up to the public to generate revenue because, you know, everyone was broke. Yeah. And so it helped preserve the estate you know and then one thing that we learned that was really cool was in in during world war ii they actually hid tons of of really expensive art and artifacts during world war ii just in case you know we got invaded and stuff went crazy it was hidden here which i thought was a, a fun fact i 100 agree there's so many fun facts about this place and there's too many to cover and because we're not authorized we're not going to cover them all but i will say this i think the information you gave is a great a great uh, tasting, a little taste, a little taste. Speaking of tasting, in 1985, they opened a winery here on the estate. So you can now have wine tasting events at Biltmore. So you can just explore the estate, then get some wine, do the wine walk, if you will, hang out, lay about, you know, have everybody wang chung, have a good time. Can you? Are you still allowed to say that? I... <laughs> <laughs> 
I think you are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Everybody have fun. <laughs> but yeah, that is the Biltmore uh, Estate. And if they want to find out more information on the Biltmore Estate, the website is? I think it's just Biltmore.com. They took it. They took it? Yep. Okay. Biltmore.com. Check it out. And of course, again, we are not affiliated, so don't tell them we sent you. Or you do, or tell, demand them to uh, allow us to come back and do a real feature on them. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, a petition for us to be official coveragers. Coveragers. <laughs> Journalists. <laughs> Journalism. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll be right back after this lovely break. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the wrap-up of what I like to call the Asheville Special Episode, or the Asheville Special. Mike, what do you think? What should we call this episode? Uncle Dad on location in Asheville, North Carolina. It's the first of many in our on-location series, this one being the first of the first of (laughs) many. First of many. You know what I mean. I love it, dude. I, I think these on-location things are something we should do more often, especially, you know, we travel a lot. So, like, being able to celebrate whatever is in that town, and even we don't, though we may not get to cover as much as we like, what an experience, man. I mean, this is the first time I think you would agree that we've kind of really done something like this, right? And it is the first time we've done something like this, right? It is, yeah. Usually our episodes that are, quote-unquote, live out in the field, not just interviewing, you know, interview style, is centered around an event like a con or a, or a, a festival of some sort, right? So this was the first time we're just like, hey, we're in a, in a new place together. Let's go see what it has to offer. And we got some good stuff, I think. Oh, yeah. I think big highlight, obviously, is talking to Jeff Allen. Jeff Allen, Jeff Allen man, what a what a class act. You know, I think he he's so good at being, I mean, professional, right? Been doing this for years. Knows what he's, he knows how to do an interview, knows how to talk to a crowd. And that's something that I will always cherish in our career of doing this, right? Like, this is something that was very new to me because we talked to other comedians and definitely comedians who have been around for a while. But there was something about Jeff Allen and how he could conduct an interview that was something I never experienced before. I don't know. What, what do you think on that? Yeah, there's definitely some people we've interviewed that the conversation flows better than others. And with him, it, it yeah, you, like we said, I think it's, he's a pro. He's been doing this, and it's, it's it makes it more fun to do the interview when it's like that, as opposed to, you know, it feels like you're in a tube going down a river and everything's just flowing, as opposed to you're in a stop, you're in a New York traffic and you're stopping every five seconds, right? So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. Shout out to Lenny for uh, for hooking us up with the interview with Jeff Allen. Yeah, huge shout out to Lenny. Um, and Lenny, when you listen to this, I think we should get you on the show. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I feel like Lenny's got some stories to share. <laughs> on and off the record, probably. But yes, let's get Lenny on here. Yeah, so that was great. And then, you know, as you know, as, as an audience had kind of heard our journey and our ride, we kind of, there were some things, I and tell me if I'm wrong, because, you know, now it's, to be transparent with everybody, I'm back in California, and it's, it's been a few days since I've seen you. But... Did we we were certain things we were also going to try to do that we didn't get to do. Am I remembering that correctly? 
That's correct. Yeah, there was the Asheville Glamping, which is check mm. them out on Instagram. They have a huge, huge following and like a one to two year wait list to get into some of their spots. They have the the mirror ho- mirror hotels or mirror cabins, I should say, in the mountains. So you're in the mountains, staring at this huge structure that's completely mirrored on the outside. So it's like you're looking at the trees on the mountains behind you while you're looking at the building. It's quite spectacular. Wow. Yeah. And there was a, there was another, we were trying to talk to someone at Dissolver for the Twin Peaks event and that just timing didn't work out. We were, there was also a, a comic anime convention that we were on the edges of going into to interview some of the celebrity guests there. And, no, there's only so much time in, in a few days, and they go by quick. They they sure do, man. They sure do, especially when you're like me, waking up in the, like, <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> to be fair, you went to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, not because we're out partying, but because you are still on West Coast time, Pacific yeah. time. West Coast time and East Coast time, for those who have done it, probably can relate to that. It's, it is quite the change you're like oh man and then when you're not there that long you don't want to fully adjust right so it's like you know but yeah i definitely we didn't reap the benefits of that uh but to kind of talk about the twin peaks thing i do want to talk about that we did we did talk about it a little bit in detail but there was something i think we didn't really touch on too much was the artist who kind of was the focal point i would say of the dissolver twin peaks day first off how would you describe this piece before i talk about uh, who this artist is are you the pieces that do you have the shirt of? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's a it's a Twin Peaks special. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a Twin Peaks special. <laughs> she's got twin eyes on her on her face and a laser coming out of one of them. And <laughs> I, I'm sure it has a deeper meaning than I understand, but it it looks great. And fun fact, I was down there uh, downtown at the brewery today and they are they looking for the shirt and they sold out the day of i mean there was a line that was wow long i don't know how long they i don't know how long you waited in the line when we were there but yeah they have no merch left from that it had all sold out the day of the twin peaks event so wow. shout out to uh blake lee ferguson for the cool art we tried to get him on the show timing didn't work out but blake Blake, he did awesome work and everyone was happy with it and i hope you're well yeah, absolutely. I, Blake, your artwork was incredible. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, the artwork is uh, kind of how Mike described, but it's actually Laura of uh, Twin Peaks. And man, it's just so, so cool. And then his artist moniker, and he goes by Ake. And so if you look up, I think, Ake Artist, or if you just go to his Instagram, Blake Lee Ferguson, at one word, you know, at Blake Lee Ferguson, you'll see all his artwork. I believe he still has prints you can buy of it. So please go buy those prints. I think an eight by ten is twenty five bucks, and then a sixteen by twenty is a hundred bucks. And honestly, man, they are great pieces of artwork. Like I think we should get one for the little studio here, maybe. But it is something that I will cherish. And the shirt that I got gets so many compliments that I worn since I worn it so far because it's like, whoa, it's so gnarly. Where did you get that? <laughs> See, and now they far. listen. You know. Yeah. Uh, they still can't get one but they they still can't get one but at least now they know (laughs) sure right that's all you need to do is just know right (laughs) yeah so funny but his art was incredible but that whole experience was just so as we talked about earlier on the episode just so much fun 
Yeah, I mean, so, you know, Mike, without further ado, you know, as we wrap this up here, you know, doing these on-location things, what what is something that you believe, what was your favorite thing that we achieved doing this? Well, I think the Jeff Allen show was great. I think, you know, being able to make that happen in the time frame that that we that we had planning for this because we were originally going to be doing something else that was pretty big this weekend and so we pulled an audible and you and your uncle dad mastery pulled off whatever you had to to make that work and i think that was a huge highlight and and also i think a big highlight was the fact that you missed your flight going home. <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. I definitely wanted to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Whose fault was that? <laughs> I don't know, but I think his name starts with just and ends with Mike. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, I, uh, I thought we could cram it in. <laughs> we were doing the, uh, for the listeners it, at the end of the episode, you hear us at the Biltmore estate and we were doing a bit more, state looking than we should have been doing and cut, cutting it too close and then i missed the exit and so we had an extra bonus day of of asheville <laughs> imagine if we could interview people at the places that we went on the bonus day <laughs> mm, yeah let's not talk about those places mm. we did kind of interview them but off the record off the record, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll let the audience imagination imagine where we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just think about it. We're in Asheville, Western North Carolina. Mm. Yeah. What do you do? What else do you do at two in the morning? Huh? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's uh, even though I did miss my flight, and you know, I was a little worrisome at the time. I have to tell you that bonus day was probably one of my favorite days that we I, that during that weekend. It was so much fun. I really enjoyed checking out. I wanted to shout this out too, uh, the Asheville Pinball Museum. For those who go to Asheville, you got to check out the Asheville Pinball Museum. I think it's $15 and it's unlimited play from open to close, basically. And you can come in and out. You don't have to stay there. So you can go in the morning, go grab lunch, do other crap, and then come back and experience the, the, the pinball lore. I mean, there's machines in there from like 1935, right? Yeah, there's some of the rarest pinball machines that are ever made. And then there's a whole back room where there's all these vintage arcade games and even like old Nintendo and Sega Genesis set up on these big flat screens and some games that you, you're surprised they they have and that they work so well. So, yeah, and they serve local Asheville beer. Can't go wrong with that. You definitely cannot go no. wrong with that. So another highlight I wanted to bring up, just so we can always I mean, really make this about Asheville, is and you know what? Forgive me. Actually, no, I'm not going to because I can't remember the name fully. But I'll just say we say we visited a distillery, and that distillery had some amazing cocktails. I think I actually have a picture of it. Mike, tell me if I'm wrong about that. <laughs> you might have a. You might have a. You might. You may. You know. I think that's the part of the day where we leave one thing drinking and go to another thing drinking. And the thing starts to get a little fuzzy. <laughs> fuzzy, right? And, well, um, can you tell them about the last thing we did that day about the, what does it call them? Sorry, the Arts District. All right. Is that where you took me? No, the River Arts District. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that's this area. I don't know. Somewhat similar to the uh, Wynwood District in Miami, but not near as, as, as cool. But it's, not to say that it isn't cool here, but it's, there is 
an area where there's all these old warehouses and and abandoned kind of recycling centers and just old old buildings and who knows what they are and they're covered in all these murals and then you know the artist brought in a brewery and there's a restaurant and then there's an art gallery and then there's another art gallery and there's an art studio and a pottery studio and so there's all these all, all these these cool fun things to do that's surrounded by all these different artists and they're not just local artists there's also artists that look like they've come in there i've seen some from chicago we've, you saw some from modesto there's there's a yeah. Lots of cool stuff to see, and I highly recommend anyone who's into you know graffiti and art murals go check it out. Absolutely, and the series one that was also a big highlight. And what I wanted to touch back on is we went to a distillery, and that distillery is called Cultivated Cocktails. That's it, literally Cultivated Cocktails Distillery. Uh, if you go to their website, cultivated-cocktails.com, you can see some of the best spirits i've ever tasted and honestly for very good prices now you can get them shipped to you but i I can't speak for that so be sure to go check that out and funny enough mike that distillery has a podcast (laughs) oh does it Hmm. yes it does be sure to check out the distillery sorry their podcast called inside the distillery where they do basically they literally record in the distillery and they talk about all their upcoming whiskeys and brews and all the things that are good so go check them out that was such a great experience. So, but yeah, Mike, am I forgetting anything else that we experienced? Oh, probably. Um, you know, <laughs> you you tried you tried Bojangles for the first time. That was oh, uh, yes. that was a thing. We did eat at a lot of great a lot of great restaurants out here, and that's one thing that Asheville has a lot of, including you know not not only do they have the most breweries, they have tons of great great restaurants, and and so we we ate very heavy. While, while you were here, we did. Oh, we ate very heavy indeed. A lot of gravies, a lot of biscuits, a lot of chicken. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just a lot of, yeah. just a lot of a lot. I mean, hey, you were, you know, it was a working, it was a working vacation, right? So you had to experience, you had to experience the culture of the place you were visiting. What, what are you supposed to do? Hey, only thing you can do is have a good time, baby. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's about it. That about it wraps it up. I really can't thank everybody who participated and was a part of our our coverage. Again, this is our first time doing a true on location experience with interviews, without interviews, reviews. Please, if you guys like this and we want to do more, or if there's a town that you like want us to check out, email me at uncledad at uncledadtalks dot com. And if there's people out there who want to talk to us, we would love to see if we can make that happen. Uh, and again, the email is uncledad at uncledadtalks.com. Mike, is there anything else I'm forgetting, or do we just want to call it a goodbye? I think we call it a goodbye. And, you know, as always, check out our Instagram at uncledadtalks, and we'll post extra videos and pictures from the from the trip. And you can give us all the likes. <laughs> all Please. the likes. Indeed. And I do want to throw out some special shout-outs. Huge shout-out to your sister, Big money, Monica. Uh, <laughs> she was incredible, absolutely incredible host. Go check out her place, her place of business, and you would have heard that earlier in the episode. Of course, also a big shout out to see to see murder, the one and only Callie Dunlap, and be sure to follow her Instagram. She was a huge help as well. Uh, what was her Instagram again, sir? I know you know it. I, I do know it. Yeah, it's Callie Dunlap <laughs> Art. Yes. Please go support our team because. Without supporting our crew, we can't make this happen. So thank you guys. And of course, uh, any last words, Mike? 
I think we've said it all, probably too much. Amen, brother. All right, everybody, we'll see you all next week. And remember, we're not uncles, we're not dads. We're just someone you can talk to. Take care.